Mini episode 1443 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. But here's the thing, though. When I talk about the death of the monopolistic vision, because NXT 3.0, as we're calling it, the super fed or super indie era of it under the WWE banner, that was a thing where there was room for Triple H's vision to go out there and basically remember that what was the criticism? They're swallowing up the indies. They're swallowing up the indies. And indeed, uh, I don't I don't know what the U, what the monopoly laws are like in the UK, but what they did, as much as I love NXT UK, what they did to the UK indie scene. When they were about to get a, uh, another promotion was about to get a show on ITV and that got squashed. Uh, I mean, that was a thing where they really thought they could be all things to all people. And Vince never wanted to take the indie guys seriously, not on the main roster. That's a side show that can be down in your little developmental hunter, your little pets down there. But it was a thing where to be all things to all people, we are everything in wrestling today, except we call it sports entertainment. And by the way, I see the distinction, because nothing they do makes sense in the universe of pro wrestling. In the made-up world of sports entertainment, it might make sense. But this is a thing where what they're doing now, everything is a hyper-focus on what Vince's vision is. And really, what we saw at the Royal Rumble was one of the first manifestations of that. It was the first Royal or Rumble post NXT 2.0 and this whole thing here that again and why are we spending so much time talking about NXT 2.0 when we're talking about you know Raw and SmackDown here primarily it's because that's what's coming what you're seeing on NXT 2.0 is what you're going to be seeing on Raw and SmackDown six months from now a year from now it's going to be populated with these guys because again for everybody that they missed the boat on and you and I could sit here all day long uh, and, and, and bitch and moan about all the guys they missed the boat on. Most of them, Keith Lee aside, most of them weren't really in the mold of what Vince was looking for. Vince is trying to grow his own guys that are fitting that vision, and it's a thing now of like AEW can have the rest of these guys. Impact can have the rest of these guys. It's a different vision than before of where they had the whole thing for close to 20 years where they were thought of as a monopoly and they wanted to be. But now at this point, with the whole whether they're looking to sell, whether they're just looking to be more profitable on paper for the investors, whatever it is, it is a move away from encapsulating everything in the pro wrestling world under their banner to just the purest manifestation of Vince's vision, which is why it's getting worse and worse, because Vince's vision is in the toilet and has been for 20 years. I absolutely agree with you. The WWE at this point, they're not a professional wrestling company, nor have they been. Vince is finally getting what he is. This might be his going, his swan song. Right. That, you know, before he cashes out. Because, you know, anybody who's keen to business sense looks at, you know, WWE can say, oh, we're not interested in selling 
bull hickey on right. that, all right? Um, if the right offer came along and the fact that all of a sudden they uh, started doing business with Disney abroad, was it Indonesia, I do believe? Yeah. With the, the Disney Plus streaming? Okay, that means that door to Disney just opened. Right. They also have the door open to Comcast, who, as I understand it, is not exactly a, a position a leveraging position. They're the ones who own, I believe it's NBC and Peacock and all that. Yep. They're not in a leveraging position because they're basically bleeding money. Um, but so, and, and Disney just, Disney could, Disney could buy the planet tomorrow if they wanted to. Right. <laughs> so that's just how they are. But um, getting back to the WWE portion of this, it's going to be, you know, it's, do you, we were talking about, you know, back in like, you know, 2006, uh, that era, right? But we we're all hanging out on the station together. Yep. And Vince absolutely hated. If you went to TNA, you could never work for WWE. Remember that? If you were in TNA, you would never have been considered for it. That's right. And those guys that were in Ring of Honor, nope. We only want, you know, the guys that are WWE people that come through whoever, like, you know, uh, would have been what? Uh, FCW at the time, yes. maybe, you know, deep, deep and it wasn't south. until they started adding, like, you know, your Tyler Blacks and your um, uh, Claudio Castagnolis and all these guys that started cut CM Punk, you know, getting opportunities to come in. But that was considered such a huge taboo thing. And then to the point where Vince is like, okay, I don't think Vince McMahon ever wanted that to begin with. No. Because in his mind, I have to retrain all of you people. Right. I have to retrain every single one of you to do this in the way of what I want. And that's not even with the wrestling part of it. I actually, you know, I, I have no bones. I've made no bones about the fact that Brock Lesnar is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And I've said the reason why. I know people hate him. My reasoning why he is one of mine of all time, he sells great. And every one of his moves counts for something. He's just not doing stuff to put on a show that is illogical to me. Right. It's like every single one of his matches is like he's in a fight. And me being a fight fan and a wrestling fan, that's what I like. You know, that's that's just no. Don't get me wrong. I can also get I we. You know, I love me some Lucha Underground back in the day too. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm a fan of you know the broad spectrum of of everything. Me too. But Vince, his idea behind this is that they're not even going to bring in any wrestlers anymore based on this whole you know. Bill right. next in line program. They're looking for people straight out of you know college and colleges and basically like athletes that got hurt who couldn't perform or compete in whatever it was they were doing. He's looking for these people who've never seen a second of indie wrestling, who probably never watched wrestling, and if they did, they could very easily get them to be like, yeah, forget about all that stuff. Or hey, you, you're a big guy. I want you to watch this one man gang match. You're gonna do this stuff. Yeah, but, dude, I could do a backflip. I don't want you to do a backflip. I want you to do this guy stuff. Right. Because that's how Bruce Pritchard views how wrestling should be. It's why Keith Lee didn't make it in Vince's vision, in their vision, because they were like, we don't want you to do anything. And it's like, okay, well, that doesn't make any, any sense based on that's not what you hired me for. The most amazing one, I really think, uh, this to this day, absolutely shocks me, and I'm actually super happy for the dude, is Kevin Owens. Yeah. Kevin Owens is based on everything about him, is not the kind of guy you think would go in through the Vince McMahon system and coming out with a, obviously a million dollar plus new guaranteed contract, but good for him. I can't wait to see him at AEW in six months. Well, exactly, yeah. He'll, he'll be... <laughs> He'll be posting the coordinates to Mount Rushmore on his Twitter again before you know it. But, uh, you know, again, 
with Owens, there is at least, I mean, he's not in the best of shape and hasn't been, but at least he has size. At least he's not small, and small is the one thing you can't overcome in Vince's world. But I'm right. you, you led me into a point that I wanted to make. This is something I, I, I told you off air I was saving this for the opportune moment. Shawn Michaels was, uh, who again has been the interim head of everything at uh, NXT, through the 2.0 era, because that's about the time that uh, Triple H went down with his health issues, and uh, he was, you know, and again, Sean is, you know, he's trying to put the best face on, and in inter- interviews, he's been saying, look, I, I miss these guys, and some of these guys that were here, I saw myself in them, and vice versa, and I miss, you know, Adam Cole, and all of these guys, the guys we got here, and he's trying to put a good face on, he goes, I hear other promotions talking about showcasing new talent on TV. Well, to that, I would say, when you watch this, you're truly watching the beginning of the journey. And he said something like, you're watching guys having maybe their fifth or tenth match ever uh, on our TV. And I read that, Jake, and I was like, you say that like it's a good thing. I'm not interested in watching some green jabroni in his fifth or his tenth match. I mean, for his, and that shows you how much Sean has been brainwashed by Vince's whole system. That this is the thing of the story over the product in the ring. The story of you're seeing the birth of this whole thing and the birth of these careers. I don't give a crap, man. I'd rather see guys who learn to do it out on the indies, got their heads beat in, learned good from bad, show up as more or less a finished product. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I get on AEW and in any of the promotions that I like and respect. And uh, again, and this is what I keep saying is that they're moving towards a unified vision. They haven't had that over the last couple of years because, again, Vince being an idiot, he kept squandering and throwing away every time Triple H would develop something really great on his plate, uh, it would be squandered. I can't think of the last guy who wasn't to whatever degree. And, and even AJ Styles wouldn't be where he is if he'd gone through NXT and had to carry that stink as far as Vince went. But again, that's another guy who also slipped, slipped through the cracks. Anyway, he did, on. he did, and that's the thing where I tell you what, AJ Styles is lucky in so many ways. Lucky that he didn't go through NXT, which don't get me wrong, AJ Styles in Super Indie Era NXT, yes please. I mean, the mouth waters at the number of matches that he could have had with guys there. That said, he's lucky he didn't get buried. What did I say about uh, Taz in two thousand? Things never change here. 2016 Royal Rumble, AJ Styles comes out. Vince doesn't think anybody's going to know who the hell he is, and the roof blows off for him. Uh, he's lucky he didn't get buried off of that right there. Guys have been buried for less than that as far as getting over on their own. And, uh, you know, you, you look at it here, and it's one of these things where the unified vision of Vince, we're going to see it, I think, get set up to fail on a really, really epic scale. Because you look at the earlier this year, Roman Reigns going down with COVID. I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say this. You're talking about a guy who I think twice now has had leukemia. So who only knows? They're lucky that he got over COVID as well as he did apparently there. Uh, Brock Lesnar, pretty beat up at his age. He can still come in and do this, but how long is he going to want to? So, I mean, they've put all their eggs in the basket of guys that I don't know they can even look at. And by the way, Roman Reigns... And I'm going to say this optimistically. He's probably more likely to go to Hollywood than he is to get really sick again. But even that, that counts the same for Vince because you don't have him there. So they're, they're putting all their eggs in the basket of just these tiny couple guys. They may have no choice but to really get behind Braun Breaker, as stupid as his name is, and the other stuff. And by the way, I'll say this about Braun just to stick up because his name is stupid. 
but I mean, anybody that can go out there as a hybrid of the best and most marketable characteristics of both Rick and Scott Steiner, that is money. I, I, I agree with you. Like, I've seen highlights of his moves that he does, uh, matches and the moves that he does and whatnot. I, I, saw, I, think about, I saw the ending to the uh, Champa match where he won the belt. Uh-huh. That's what it was. And okay. I, kinda, I made a point to watch that one. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, the kid's good. Right. You know? But, you know, again, who else is there besides that? Back to your to your, your point you were making. I think that, and this is my opinion, I, I'm, I'm doubling down on the fact that Vince McMahon is not getting any younger, as this past week has proven. Um, however, it got leaked out there if Shane McMahon was fired and just said, don't come in to yeah. work tomorrow or whatever that was, you know. That still doesn't look good. No. And it sends a message out there. I honestly feel that Vince McMahon is looking to cash out his chips. Mm-hmm. That he doesn't give a shit about the future of the business. He doesn't give a crap. About, uh, everyone looks at this like, you know, oh my God, WWE has the history of, you know, all of pro wrestling and everything. Vince doesn't care about any of that. Right. The only thing he cares about is the money that he's going to get at the end of the day. And right. if anybody who's listen to any podcast or been around and I'm pretty sure we we, we could talk to a friend who could who could confirm this. Yes. That he's always looking for tomorrow. You're never gonna see Vince McMahon sitting down and look like, I own all of this. Doesn't care. It's all a bargaining chip that one day he can put on the table because in Vince McMahon's world, he's always wanted that mainstream acceptance that he never had gotten in the eighties and the nineties and whatnot. That he's never had and to this point, honestly, if he sells out and gets, you know, what do you think the WWE would sell for? The TV contracts alone got, what, $2 billion each? Yeah. So, I don't know what they're valued at, but I know UFC sold for $2.5 billion, and I think based, you know, with the old footage and with the licensing and everything they've, they've got going on, I heard that they brought in, like, the WWE merger brought in, like, an extra 2 million subscribers to Peacock or something like that. Right. Like, so they have some leverage to work with. I could see Vince cashing out for, like, $3 billion. Well, you know, it sounds like a lot three, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think 3.5, but you get it, good for him. Sure. Who's it going to go to? It's going to go to either a conglomerate that just buys stuff like that, or more likely, it's either going to go to a Disney, it's going to go to a, a Comcast, or some sort of a, a I, don't, I don't see Fox, they're not really, they just sold their libraries. Right. But, and he's going to cash out, he's going to get out of it, and only then is whoever bought it is going to go, okay, well, what do we do with this now? Because everyone else is going to be like, um, crap, you know, all those guys we fired, we need them all back now. Right. Because everything's going to be in the vision of, you know, uh, who's going to carry on his vision afterwards? Bruce? Bruce doesn't have a vision. Right. Like, I think Bruce is done without Vince. Right. Even if he's done with Vince, you know? Right. <laughs> but then he ain't your guy. Um, is it a Shawn Michaels? Maybe this is, you know, maybe this has been Shawn Michaels' long play of all time as the greatest politician in the history of the business, out politicking Hogan, Nash, everyone of the great legends. We know, you know, Shawn was legendary for his backstage, uh, alleged lack backstage politics in the 90s. Right. Coming back, you know, get everyone's good graces, overcoming, uh, overcoming addiction. You know, turning his life around, having a wonderful, beautiful family. But you can't tell me that that man has been there for what. Uh, 30 years now hasn't like you know there's a little bit of the old hbk still inside there oh. i firmly believe that and he can play the i'm just happy to help you know, i don't know what's going on i'm just happy to be here you know they tell me these things and i'm totally like you know a new person nah i don't buy it <laughs> I, well, I don't 
I don't, I'm not saying he's like going to do that stuff. I'm just saying he's he know he still knows how he's not the idiot. I guess that um, you would perceive in interviews sometimes. Sure, no, I, I firmly believe that like he knows how to play that political game, and if he keeps climbing up the ladder, good for him. But at the end of the day, when Vince McMahon decides he's going to sell the company, and I don't know how he can do that in a publicly traded company. I'm sure there's a way. You know, they have to. Depends on the amount of shares that, are, that he holds or whatnot, but he sells it. You know, at the end of the day, that's that's that. <laughs> well, and then it becomes if then things become very interesting. I'll tell you this: I give you a lot of credit, and this is how insightful you are, Jake. I'm gonna put you over here. I don't think you even realized you were doing it, but the number one piece of skepticism I've had all along about a sale. I think you might have answered it there. And here's what I mean by this, because the thing to me that's always been of like believing that he's going to do this, this is a guy who's pretty much got to have like, you know, at least figuratively, shards of glass in his piss to miss a Raw or SmackDown taping, right? He's at Gorilla Weekend. He doesn't take vacations. He's there every week. He's there every week. That's part of how he stays in this whole bubble. He's in the wrestling bubble. He's enveloped in it. But I think you might have answered my question, and that being when you when you talk about wanting to transcend all of this, because you look at different things, the things that have happened, both incarnations of the XFL, and how weird was that, twenty years apart, uh, and all the other things. Let's let's forget about uh, the other things here. Let's not forget about he was going to buy. I think the uh, what the Debbie Reynolds Hotel in Vegas. There was going to be a uh, WWE Vegas hotel that never yes. happened. Uh, back around w- then. WWF New York. WWF New York, which I want to say, uh, the great Eddie Allman from Harpo's. I read. By the way, uh, get well, Eddie. Uh, he has been uh, dealing with COVID, I guess, uh, recently here. Get well, so, Eddie. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. I miss seeing him at Harpo's, uh, the greatest establishment in the world when it was open. I was always happy for Eddie that he was able to get out before that thing hit the iceberg. I think that's how the, uh, the Harpo's expansion was made possible was uh, he got out ahead of uh, Vince. Vince was willing to buy him out. Vince wanted to buy him out, and then the thing went in a crapper. So good for you, Eddie, on that one, and uh, God bless you, sir. You're a wonderful person. But uh, I want to say, when you look at any of these ventures, there was the Sugar Ray Leonard-Donnie Lalonde fight in the fall of 88, if you want to go way back. Vince has tried all and the WBF. You know, all the stuff there with uh, all the, probably was roids in the uh, Icro Pro and everything like that. All these uh, different things. WWE films. WWE films, yes. All these things. Vince's pretensions of being something other than a grubby wrestling promoter. Uh, and why he has invented this term sports entertainment and basically created w- within the whole thing, really a new genre, because like I said, I mean, the, the rules and laws and logic of pro wrestling don't apply to what he does. Uh, he doesn't even try to adhere to the rules and laws and logic of pro wrestling. But I think I think you may have provided a unified theory on this, is of why he might be willing to sell. Because then, if he had three to three and a half billion or whatever, he could make one of these other things, one of his other projects, too big to fail. And and he could he could make that mark outside of WWE that he's always wanted to make and has never been able to make. You might you might have solved the riddle of that one, pal. No pun intended. It's why Vince hates the word wrestling. Yes. It's, he's always hated the word wrestling yes. because he's not around sports entertainment, pal. You know he's always he's always been quite frankly I believe he's always been embarrassed of who he is. Yes. Which is sad, and I honestly think if you look at it, we're going a little. Uh, 
Riddle's uh, psychological analysis of Vince McMahon here, but um, I think a lot of it is um, if, if you look at the, the product he puts out there, it's very emasculating. Yeah. Like, I think it's obviously it's an audience of one, so it's all directed towards himself. Right. It's like, I give you that little quiver of hope, and then it's like, no. And then it got to a certain point, somewhere around the John Cena era, yep. that it was just all about what Vince wanted. Right. He just stopped giving a shit about the fans wanted. Right. It's like, that's what I really recall, like, strongly of, like, at any other time, they would have turned Cena heel. Right. And been like, okay, and he would have had an even bigger run, because <laughs> they would have loved him even more, because heel John Cena's great. Like, seeing heel John Cena and other stuff that he's done is, you know, did you, did you see the Suicide Squad? I haven't. I heard it was pretty good. Highly recommend it. There's heel John Cena in that. He's fantastic. Interesting, yeah, you get to see these other glimpses out there. I have read this of, like, past writers, you know, when they, when they give their shoot interviews about Vince saying things like, uh, you know, that Vince will say in meetings, if you go to bring up something that happened, our, our fans don't remember that. Like, he thinks just because he can't remember from week to week that nobody else does. He would be incredulous at the, at the notion that, that people care about these things and, because, again, to him, it's all tabula rasa. You're just filling time. You just you show up on Monday. You start the week off there. You do your show. Nobody's going to remember or care next week. You're not going to be bound by what you did. you got to fill your three hours. And that's one of these things where his contempt for the business of pro wrestling gets in the way of, like, I will say, watching the Royal Rumble, and, again, as bad as the Rumble matches themselves were, and, uh, I, again, I, I felt like, uh, you know, both of the Rumble matches, uh, I would I would give only two stars, which is kind of unheard of, you know, for something like uh, that. But something I ended up giving the best rating on the show to, three and a half stars, but what should have been four or four and a quarter, the opener, Reigns and Rollins. And there are a, yeah, lot, of, there are a lot of things they did. In a lot of ways, and I can't even believe I'm saying this about WWE, but uh, the callbacks and everything like that. And the announcers were actually hitting the callbacks. I mean, Vince must not have been in their headsets. They must have been sneaking this past Vince, you know, for all the history they were weaving in there. But it's a thing where not having a finish, not even caring about having a finish. And this is Vince's senility at its finest. Because Vince, 20 years ago, had his head up his ass on a lot of stuff but he at least cared about finishes. But whether it be that he doesn't care about it anymore, or like, finishes? That's for wrestling fans. Whether he's just gotten more hardened in his ways about that. The whole thing of like, the, the hokey DQ finish in the ropes there, whatever. Like, again, I would argue AEW, I think they've only ever done two DQs, I think, ever. And one was by accident. One was, I think, it was the match when I think they were doing the number one contenders match for Kenny Omega last year with uh, Orange Ca uh, Cassidy and Pac. And I think uh, one of them got hurt, and they had to improv it with uh, Don Callis running out and causing a DQ. And then they yeah. used one uh, deliberately here recently with CM Punk, uh, with uh, you know him getting MJF disqualified as, as a way to advance a storyline. I think AEW, particularly when they, they, they overdo the oblivious ref thing too much, I think like Rick Knox, whatever, I think there should be more disqualifications than they are. But, I mean, and I'm saying more than like two in their entire history of TV. I don't like to see DQs 
that much. They're a crutch. I'm saying if AEW did it even five or six times a year. But WWE, they don't care at all. And this is very much like, and we've made this comparison before, the dying days of WCW. And that really, TNA Wrestling, for most of its history, until about 2015, 2016, whenever it was, that it really became like a really respectable indie promotion that, that did stuff like indie promotions and was focused more on quality and up-and-coming guys and everything like that. TNA, for most of its history, I described as being a tribute promotion to WCW circa 99 to 2001. WWE's been that for the last several years. That was a hallmark of Russo-esque TV. Just pointless run-ins, pointless DQs, and here you are, you know, they were so proud. We're in a stadium. We're announcing ourselves as having 44,000 for this. Uh, we're in the era where most of our pay-per-views are going to be in stadiums. Good luck making that happen when these are the finishes that you uh, deliver. When you have the best match on the show by far, and it has such a hot garbage finish that, uh, again, if the bad wrestling, bad booking, whatever, the rest of the way didn't kill the crowd, that angle would have right there. You know, it was just, it's inexcusable for a promotion that cares about quality, which they don't. Wow, this is going to be kind of a, 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 a interesting take because I actually disagree with you. Really? Yes. I see your side. I understand it. I don't understand the comparison of this disqualification. Uh, I don't agree with the comparison of the disqualification in this match as opposed to the disqualification in like the Russo era and WCW where we're just lame DQs and all this stuff. Those two were telling an actual story throughout the match, and it was great. And I thought the disqualification finish fit into it. I just didn't like how it was done. That being like, I the only thing that I would have added to it was Roman flipping off the ref. Okay. Like, acknowledging what he's doing. So the crowd's pissed because he's supposed to be the heel, but they're going to cheer him. So give him this great match, and then going into it, because the whole idea is him going into WrestleMania to be the hottest heel they have. Right. Correct? Right. Like, him, like, you know, like, he's about to become, like, super god and lift up, you know, all the belts. You know, is the story they're pitching. Um, like Kratos, I think, is yeah. the, you know, the god of war on this. Um, I just don't think they did, they did enough after it was done. A disqualification used could be used, you know, right. The aftermath to me was like, oh, you made me do this and all this stuff. Like, okay. The, if you're going to do the disqualification, I'd have done the disqualification with the chair shot. Not the thing on the ropes. I'd have Romich be fed up, walk in, and Seth be getting up, fighting his back, you know, and end up being in that exact position and nail him. And right in front of the ref, ref be like, I have to disqualify you. And then it like, tells the story going back to that first shot. You know? I, I actually think Rollins it makes it worse. Off the crowd. And if you're going to protect Rollins, I, I, that's just my whole, you know, I don't know. Um, fantasy booking aside, I guess, on that one. I, I, I get the whole idea is that you want to keep both strong going into to Mania. But then yeah. go back to, like, why did you book this match in the first place then? You know? Well, I get that. It's like, okay. Just the way it was done, and it's like, and it goes back to my conversation earlier on, earlier on this conversation about how the referees count in wrestling. You know, that's so lenient. Yet this rule, halftime, the halftime, the ref goes, you know, counts to five, and they shake their hands, and they break them off anyway. So I get your your side. I mean, well, I I, I I I thought it was good storytelling moving forward. 
just based on how they booked the show. But that was just me. Well, uh, I I actually probably would themselves into a corner. I believe is the well, term. I I probably would have hated it worse if they did it with the chair shots in there because it would have just felt even more cheap and lazy. But uh, great minds like ours can agree to disagree on this. But the whole thing is like you couldn't find a better way out of it than that. But the whole thing of like booking themselves into a corner, you know, I I, I got insight, a little insight back in the day, little, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, as far as Vince's thought process, and that Vince books matches, and because he sees money in that match on that day, how do they get out of it? That's entirely secondary in his mind, versus you go back to Tony Khan, long-term storytelling, one thing has to lead into another, where are you going from here? Well, they weren't going anywhere from there, and they didn't bother to try to make you believe otherwise, that they weren't going anywhere from there. We're going to treat this tomorrow as though this match never even happened, which is exactly what happened. And it's one of these things where you're talking about that, Jake, and you're talking about the heat and everything like that. And again, and Lance Storm has given some very good breakdowns on this on WWE and their overuse of heat. I'm going to distinguish on what you were saying there. I'm seeing heat on the promotion, not heat on Roman Reigns. This is the wrong kind of heat. This is go-away heat. But for the past five years, the promotion is the heel. Hell, for the past 20 years, they're the heel. The guys are just there. That's WWE. Right. And Roman is the stand-in for the promotion, which, funny enough, he always was. They used to have his character rebelling against it. Now he's at least aligned with what the reality is, which is that they're shoving him down your throats. And it's one of these things where, I mean, you look at the long-term vision of this company, if you want to even call it that, and that this is what I've read, and tell me that this isn't true, because it's entirely consistent with everything you're seeing, that they initially meant the Roman Brock stuff to play out at next year's WrestleMania, not this one. And that they, they, they didn't even want to bring back Brock this quickly, but they felt like they had to, once again, break glass in case of emergency, get Brock. And that you talked about this before, Becky Lynch and Ronda. Oh, they're saving that for next year's WrestleMania, Jake. And it's a thing of like, how do you get from here to there, though? That's why their product sucks. Because everything in between WrestleManias is just marking time. 